you don't necessarily know who your audience is and what their reading capability is. One of the most interesting projects I worked on was for a tobacco company and they were creating instructions for time sheeting in their factory. And it was for the people who picked tobacco. And so I was I was writing instructions, but it actually turned out that the majority of these people that obviously did not speak English. They were in um, countries where tobacco is grown. And so they were they were not speaking my language, but they also frequently may not have even been fully literate in their own language. So we had to find a different way to express that. And so I think when it comes to documentation, a lot of people think it is mostly about writing, but actually I think a lot of it is how can we get rid of as much writing as possible just to make it more accessible to everybody. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Louise McBean, Senior Technical Writer at Ometria. Welcome, Louise, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very well. Fantastic. So the pleasure is us as well, Louise. So just help us understand a little bit more about yourself and how did you initially get into documentation, please? Mm. Um, well, I think uh, it's it's a similar story to a lot of uh, technical writers that I've met anyway. Um, I just, I fell into it. Um, I, I'd always enjoyed writing. Um, I was always good at writing, uh, but I, I didn't really know that there was any kind of career in it. Um, and shortly after I graduated, I, I had a job um, in, a, in the back office of a small management consultancy. Um, and so I was doing things like making tea and coffee, organizing the payroll, um, a bit of office management and odd jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the odd jobs was uh, reformatting and cleaning up CVs that we received from our contractors that we would, uh, you know, rebrand and then send on to clients. Um, so it was almost recruitment, really. Um, but that was how I um, how I learned the basics of formatting, um, understanding style guides and, and business writing. So um, I ended up getting quite good at that. And um, they ended up asking me to rewrite all of the CVs. Um, and then I moved on to other things like policies and press releases. And eventually I was I was promoted to a consultant myself within that company. So um, and while I was there, I uh, I had so many great opportunities to learn from some really experienced people. Um, They worked on some very big uh, IT transformation projects in the UK and Europe. And I learned so much stuff, um, managing documentation trackers, project management, process improvement, um, as well as just writing really good, clear instructions. and it's it's been the perfect job for me, really, because uh, I'm I'm someone. My degree was actually in art history, um, which is why I sort of struggled with knowing what I wanted to do out of university. And um, as someone whose interest has always been more humanities and the arts rather than business or technology, um, I really struggled in my early years. Um, 
of, of work just because I didn't know a lot of common terms. I didn't understand the processes and it seemed so obvious to everybody that I was working with. Um, so I spent a lot of time feeling like I was just terrible at my job or that I wasn't clever enough. Um, and what I would have really loved was some really clear free documentation. So what I love about my job now um, and technical communication in general is that um, I feel like I'm championing anybody who feels that way um, when they're trying to figure out some new software and that I think it's actually kind of become a bit of a strength. Very interesting, Louise, to see the journey, how you started and where you are right now. And um, I'm really happy that uh, you uttered those words of encouragement and positivity already in the beginning of the podcast. So um, just to go back to your uh, educational background a little bit. Um, so you have a bachelor's degree in philosophy and in history of art. Yes. So how do you think the skills and knowledge you have gained through your education, influencing your current career with the technical writing? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, it's, uh, I think just in general, I, I did the degree because I was very interested in art history um, and I was keen to pursue that interest. Obviously, you learn research skills and you learn writing and communication as part of, of almost any degree. Um, but I think actually... Uh, one of the good things about having done an arts degree rather than having done um, uh, maybe a technology or a science degree has been that I, I sort of am coming from a user perspective a lot of the time is that I don't have a sort of a firm background in um, scientific procedure or anything like that. So um, when I'm trying to figure something else, figure something out, um, I, I feel a lot more like the user than the developer, which is what's um what's been really helpful to me and encouraged me to ask what I call the stupid questions um, of engineers and, um, and developers. Super. Uh, that's, that's great to know uh, as well, Louise. And also, um, let's talk about your current role in Ometria. So can you help us understand a little bit more about your documentation process at Ometria and uh, who do you normally involve in um, organizing the documentations mm. um so i'm the, i'm the sole technical writer at ametria it's it's just me um uh, and that means i'm responsible for pretty much everything that our clients read about our product um except for marketing copy of course they don't write marketing copy um so when I'm, um, I, I report to the product team and I, I sit on the product team, uh, but I like to work with almost everyone else who is willing to work with me pretty much. Um, uh, when I'm documenting a new feature, uh, I try to get involved as early as possible. So um, usually shortly after the discovery phase, the product managers, um, when they have a brief ready and they're ready to start involving the designers and the engineers. Um, I like to be included in, in those kickoff meetings as well. Um, and I might not have anything to write at that point, but I find that the closer I follow the development cycle um, from seeing the design mock-ups to sort of just um, finding out how client usability sessions went, um, then the easier it is for me at, um, at a later stage to write really clean, useful guides um, in time for the beta or, or any other time. So um, 
And then obviously I work with the support team and I work with um, customer success and all of professional services, uh, as well as engineers to make sure that um, we're giving accurate information that our users can actually use. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. And I completely agree with your point of getting involved in the initial stages of the product development or or even before the product development, the designing phase to get uh, your insights into what's coming up in the latest stage. Uh, so let's just talk about a little bit more on uh, documentation. So what are the important factors you consider when creating documentation? Mm-hmm. Um, number one most important for me is the audience. Um, uh, at a com- at a company like Ametria and a product like Ametria, we we offer a, a very very complex piece of software, and it has mm-hmm. lots of room for flexibility in in how you use it. Um, our clients use it differently depending on their needs. Um, and there, there's lots of workarounds and cool things you can do. So the user guides need to be really clear and really easy to follow in order for the clients to see those possibilities. Um, our clients are also typically on the marketing team in the companies they work for. Um, so it's unusual for them to have a background in code or engineering. And I always try to keep that in mind, uh, which, as I said, is easy for me because I don't have that technical background either. Um, I try, what I try to imagine when I'm writing uh, user guides and documentation is that um, anytime somebody's accessing my help center, they, they're coming to it in a bad mood. They're not happy when they're, when they're, <laughs> um, yeah. because you know, that, you know how it is. They, they've probably already tried to work out a solution yeah. on their own. They, yeah. um, they probably work themselves up a bit about it. Whatever they're trying isn't working. They might have asked their team for help already. So they're frustrated. Um, they might even have already raised a support ticket. So yeah, um, I think most people will try, as much as I don't like it, most people will try almost anything before they refer to the manual or the help center. Um, so with all of that in mind, I, I really see it as my job to make sure that the information we're providing is clear, it's relevant, and it's easy to understand. Lots of screenshots um, and lots of GIFs so mm-hmm. that they can orient themselves and um, that there is no more frustration for them here. So um, I think empathy is one of the most important um, soft skills that a tech writer can have, uh, because at the end of the day, it's communication. And in order to communicate clearly, the foundation has to be understanding. So um, I just do simple things like I try to write in short sentences. I avoid jargon. I almost never allow paragraphs in my user guides because I really want them um, to be skimmable and a quick Mm -hmm. I sort of operate with the understanding that the audience has come to my page and they're not going to read it top to bottom. They're going to hit control F, search for the problem they're having and hopefully find the answer there. So um, I never want anyone to feel intimidated by my docs. They're meant to make life easier. So those are the things I'm always bearing in mind. Very nice. And I really like the fact that you accept that people come to documentation as the last resort after trying all their possibilities and even chat chat or support or even uh, technical support through tickets. Uh, very nice, Louis. Um, so what approach do you personally take when it comes to content design and why? Um, content design, uh, so... 
uh, I think everything I just said, really, I like things to be skimmable and I like a lot of pictures, a lot, a lot of images. That might be my art history degree coming through. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, so I, I, um, I, was, I was, would absolutely recommend that anybody interested in it would read uh, the book Content Design by Sarah Richards, um, because I'm always telling people when they when when somebody asks me what's good documentation look like, I will always recommend uh, the UK government's website as one of the best examples of clear, concise and, and user friendly documentation. Um, the, uh, the titles are always brilliantly written. Uh, the information you need is there on the page. The information is always very clear on the page. Um, there's lots of white space, so I don't feel overwhelmed by, uh, as I said, paragraphs, blocks of text. Um, but my, I, I'm massively in favour of using tables and bullet points wherever possible, um, just to so that you can really just find what you're looking for. And um, as much as I love writing and I love prose, and in my free time I might do creative writing and write long, lengthy paragraphs of description I don't really think I think there's less and less of a place for that in um IT communication because it's just people just don't have time <laughs> <laughs> very true very true they need everything instantly and uh, at, at their fingertips if, if I'm not wrong <laughs> super um so and uh, I, I think the more and more I listen to, I'm getting a feeling that uh, you're very much uh, uh, towards user-centric writing. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that, please? User-centric writing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really does all stem from that uh, that feeling in my <laughs> um, in my early years of, of starting uh, in in work, in my career, of um, just feeling stupid and, and that very helpless feeling um, when you don't necessarily know how to do a job and you're a little bit afraid to ask. Um, I, I've, I really don't like that feeling and I don't think anybody does. Um, and so it was, it, it really stems from that and feeling that I would like, um, I wouldn't like anyone to feel intimidated by a piece of software or feel like that they can't um, understand something um, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of explaining something that appears very very complex in a very very simple way um, because you can do it and I think that that's that's the real art to documentation is is finding the right way to explain something um, I also uh, a, a lot of people in my family um, my brother and my father notably are dyslexic um, and um, I, I'm personally not dyslexic, but having grown up with a, a brother who struggled to read and would very quickly give up on um, reading something if it was too dense or too wordy or just too much on the page um, has really given me a, um, an empathy and an understanding for sort of anyone in that situation. And so I do, um, I do try to write with with that in mind, um, bearing in mind that uh, a lot of learning difficulties are undiagnosed, particularly in men, and a lot of learning difficulties and, and reading comprehension issues, uh, people tend to be quite quiet about that you don't necessarily know who <laughs> you don't necessarily know who your audience is and what their reading capability is. Uh, one of the most interesting projects I worked on uh, was for a tobacco company and they were creating instructions for uh, time sheeting uh, in their factory. And it was for the people who 
picked tobacco. Um, and so I was I was writing instructions, but it actually turned out that the majority of these people that obviously did not speak English, they were in um, countries where tobacco is grown. And so they were they were not speaking my language, but they also frequently uh, may not have even been fully literate in their own language. So um, you have we had to find a different way to express that. Um, and so I think. Uh, when it when it comes to documentation, a lot of people think it is mostly about writing, but actually I think a lot of it is how can we get rid of as much writing as possible mm -hmm. just to make it more accessible to everybody. Super. Um, so how has it been uh, being a sole technical writer at a startup? I mean, what kind of challenges did you face? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, so many. Um, so you have to be very, very organized, but also very, very flexible at the same time. Um, I think uh, whenever I, I start a new project, um, I like to begin by performing an audit. Um, this takes a lot of time, of course, but in my opinion, it's the best way to get um, an intimate understanding of the documentation um, and what the common issues are. Um, I've Yeah, I've quite often come into... Uh, businesses that have already had a knowledge base but it's not quite working for them or they found it difficult and cumbersome to maintain and um, I sort of think of it almost as a similar method to Marie Kondo and the way that she will make you take out all of your clutter and put it on the bed and then say right what do you want to keep um, and start organizing things in that way that's how I see my audits so once I've audited everything and I've got a really good idea of, you know, OK, we've got three or four articles that seem to cover the same thing or, you know, we're including this really long introduction on every single article. But actually, I don't think we need an introduction for every article, those sorts of issues. Um, after that, you can begin fact checking, talking to engineers, um, making sure everything's actually up to date and then rewriting and implementing the standards where necessary. Um, I make sure, as I said, to be in, as involved as possible in the design and development process. Um, and I make sure to, to ask questions. And that's something I've learned as I've matured, I think, that it's that it's OK to say, why have we done it like that? You know, why is it that way? Um, because I think technical writers are kind of an untapped resource. A lot of the time we have a really close um, understanding of the product and um, use it quite a lot because I would never write about a feature unless I'd also tested it in the, the software demo. So um, I learned a lot about the project product in that way and I um, gradually build up all of this knowledge and competence. And so eventually I do start asking questions like, well, why are we building that mm -hmm. like that? Or why, why is that field called that when we call it this in a different screen? You know, all of those sorts of questions. Um, and then uh, in, in terms of creating new articles and um, sort of the rest of my work, the whirlwind of my work, um, I really rely so much on my colleagues, um, product managers, of course, but also the customer facing teams um, who really know the product. And crucially, they know how the clients use the product. Um, so I never assume that I know everything. I always assume someone else knows more than I do. Um, and I never assume that the documentation is complete. Um, it, it is always changing and growing just as fast as our product and our teams are growing. Um, and so I always try to stay open and flexible to that. 
Fantastic, uh, Luis. And um, again, I'm just uh, coming back to the accessibility. Uh, how important do you think uh, it is for technical writers to consider accessibility when creating a documentation? Because right in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned um, Ometria has a very complex product and the documentation has to be spot on. So, uh, and also you gave us a lot of tips on how to make it that way. Uh, but why do you think it's very important for considering access, uh, for technical writers to consider accessibility? Um, well, of course, I think it's very important that you know if you're if you're developing and selling a product that you want as many people as possible to be able to use it and understand it. Um, and I think you have to begin with appreciating that not everybody has the same. Um, you know, level of understanding, the same education or the same even cultural background that you do. Um, and so you want to be as um, accessible to as many different types of people and uh, as wide an audience as possible. So I think the, the question of accessibility is just a question of audience size. You know, you want as many people as possible in there. Um, for a product like Ametria, um, I think there are some types of accessibility we consider over others. Um, for example, it would uh, it would be very difficult for a blind person to navigate my documentation. If they were using a screen reader, that would be great, um, but it would be difficult to use the uh, tool itself because it's just not set up for that. But the things we can consider are things, um, as I said, like dyslexia, cognitive learning disabilities, or even people who speak English as a second language who you know are, are, are working for a multinational company and are speaking multiple languages throughout the day um, it just seems kinder to me to um, write in a very very clear way that doesn't cause confusion um, uh, particularly when you're talking about confusing and complex um, situations or use cases um, so that yeah I, I really just think that it's um, it's it's the simplest way to make sure that your work is accessible to everybody is to consider uh, the person to whom it is least accessible to and in this case I think maybe I think about my dyslexic brother or you know I maybe think about somebody who can't read at all or is refusing to read um, and is just looking at the pictures because I do believe that a lot of people just look at the pictures um, so yeah so it's really just it's really just a sort of a method I use Nice. So let's just talk a little bit more on your reporting structure. So how do you report on your documentation and uh, who do you report to? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, reporting is, I, I, I found, is one of the real challenges in, um, in documentation. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's difficult to find quantitative metrics uh, without directly asking the user through surveys, which, you know, you want to do sparingly. You don't want to constantly be saying, you know, how was this? Was it good? Because they'll just get annoyed with you eventually. Um, I do use, uh, we use Zendesk for our help centre and I do use their inbuilt reports. Um, I pay particular attention to the keyword searches that um, users make um, just to see if that I'm getting the language right or if my article titles are useful. Um, for example, at Ametria, we call mailing lists um, segments. And so I make sure to, you know, in the metadata, I've tagged anything about segments lists so that anyone searching for lists is finding the right content. Um, 
And in particular, I really try to listen to customer facing teams um, whenever they raise an issue with me um, with the documentation or when they feel that there's documentation missing. Um, and when we're running betas, I always ask for feedback on the documents so that I can be improving those in time for full release. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to make it really clear uh, to my colleagues that I'm always happy to accept feedback from anyone in the company um, on my documentation. And I think gradually it's it's happened more and more often. I think people do get a bit spooked by the title technical author mm-hmm. or they sort of assume that I'm I'm their secondary school English teacher and I'm going to tell them off their grammar or something um <laughs> that I'm a very <laughs> person but I'm not at all I try to be really open and so I have a slack channel set up that's just documentation feedback and I get um a few comments and requests a week for content and changes and even simple things like hey this link is broken um and that's been really great uh I report directly to the VP of product um but I also have regular meetings with the director of support so that we know that we're aligned super so that's um that's very great to know uh Louise and uh um one other thing i forgot to ask you is are your documentations publicly available or is it uh, privately protected against the username and password it's publicly available yeah helps uh, in so in that sense am i correct in uh, guessing that you you will be generating some organic search traffic through your knowledge base um i think we do i haven't i haven't looked into it that much um just because you'd be looking for something very specific if you're looking at metrics help docs or our api docs so um uh, i haven't looked into that a great deal okay that's no problem i mean it's just uh, we wanted to know whether your documentation is helping your marketing team as well um again uh, just coming back to your um idea so in your opinion what has been the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking uh, in your career um document tracking sorry could you expand on that a little bit yeah so uh, i mean i know you started your career um um from your educational background in philosophy and history of art so or let's say in this career of being technical writer and getting involved in creating documentation what has been the most important innovation as according to you i'm not do you know what i really don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's fine i know sometimes it's hard to think uh, uh, across and uh, pinpoint to one of the uh, areas but that's that's absolutely fine <laughs> all right should we move on to the rapid fire round questions uh, louise sure yeah super so who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career um well i'm i'm learning all the time which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons i really love being a technical writer um and you get to learn from so many different people in in within the company um in terms of documentation uh it was probably earlier in my career when i was working with um some really expert people and uh contractors working for the management consultancy that i mentioned um there was a, a wonderful lady called uh, Joe Sainsbury who uh who taught me what the 
word technical writer was I'd never heard of the job title before but she told me that she'd been a technical writer she was at the time she was a change management consultant um, but uh, she also suggested to me that I get involved in it so um, I'm always very grateful to her um, but I learned I, I learned from a lot of people at that company on, on so many different things um, it would be very hard to pinpoint no problem at all. So uh, can you share a documentation related resource you have consumed recently? Um, so I know I've mentioned it already, but um, mm -hmm. I always bring up content design by Sarah Richards, um, just because it's it's such a good book and I'm, I'm always dipping into it um, to, to check to check something or to find out if there's a better way to do something. Great. Thank you, Sarah, for that lovely uh, uh, piece of help you're uh, doing to the community. My last question to you, Louise, is what is the one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Um, I think definitely your, the advice I'd give to any 20 year old, you're smarter than you think you are, um, but also learn grammar because <laughs> 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 I didn't I left school and I just didn't know enough gra about grammar I didn't know where the apostrophes went and that's something that I had to learn in my late 20s it was much harder to learn um so yeah get a good grounding in grammar thank you so that that's definitely a very good piece of advice that anybody should pick up uh, louise so once again as i mentioned um, it's an amazing journey you had right from the beginning and the way you have grew, groomed yourself to to where you are right now and uh, good luck with all the future documentation you will be producing um, for ometria and also in other engagements so anything else uh, you would like to add before we say bye to our audience um no I think I, I think that's it I think just to reiterate that I um I really think that technical writing sounds like quite a ooh, quite an intimate I've said it a lot intimidating and scary sort of job or, or even a role to have in a company but I think um really at its essence all you're doing is is communicating to people openly and as I've said with empathy um and obviously you require other things like uh, tenacity in order to get the information you need but um i think uh, i think i think a lot more people would be really good technical writers um if they thought about it thank you so that's great uh, louise absolutely all your uh, words are um uh, definitely good points for anybody to take forward especially who's uh, trying to set a career in technical writing um once again appreciate all the time you spent with us today and good luck and have a great day louise thank you Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.